Today's reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. Love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in seal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friend, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Good morning, church. My name is Dave Ellis. I'm one of the Hebrew regional ministers. We put together a series of sermons based around four Bible passages on the theme of one another. My passage comes from Romans 12 verses 15 and 16. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I hope I can convey how we should show Christ-like love to those around us, believers and unbelievers alike. I have a dream, and in this dream I'm a kind person, very considerate, thoughtful, sympathetic, accepting, tolerant, patient, helpful, forgiving, humble, and totally unselfish. In this dream I'm able to minister to people, even if they don't like me, putting their needs in front of mine. In this dream, I don't have any hard feelings towards anyone who's hurt me. And I don't believe they should get what's coming to them. But actually, I pray that God will bless their lives. In this dream, I'm able to feel genuinely happy for those who get more honour than I do. Especially when I believe I should get that honour. And in this dream, I look to find agreement with those who think radically different to the way I do. Rather than get my own way. And in this dream, I pray that I can look at people without feeling the least bit superior to them. But do you know what? It feels like an impossible dream. I don't think I'll ever get anywhere near it. Yet God has a goal in my life where some of those things are the very things that God wants to characterize my life as a believer. So let's look at Romans 12 verses 15 and 16. Let's see what it says about the way we should be with the family of God. Let's see how we can laugh when they laugh and cry when they cry, be empathetic, full of joy, celebrate and have sympathy and be totally in sync with our fellow believers.
It seems impossible. But you know, if we look at Romans 12 verses 1 to 2, if we yield ourselves to God as living sacrifices and allow him to transform our minds, then mission impossible can become mission achievable. Let's look at how we should express that love to one another by concentrating on verse 16. Romans 12 verse 16, first bit. Live in harmony with one another. Be of the same mind towards one another. It literally says, think the same things as one another. It's the idea of agreeing with each other and living in harmony with each other. And I think Paul had the believers in mind here. He may have been thinking the effect our agreement or disagreement has on each other and on the church and on the world around us. Let us face it, not all believers are easy to get along with. We've heard the little ditty, to dwell with saints in heaven above, oh that will be glory. But to dwell with saints on earth below, now that's a different story. It's so easy to pick up at things we don't agree with. To magnify our differences and to find fault with people who see things differently. Some people experience tension and strife in every part of their lives. Their homes, their marriages, their jobs, their church, their recreational activities. And they aren't bright enough to figure out that they are the problem. All the conflicts they're embroiled in is everybody else's fault but never theirs. If we find ourselves in that position, we need to look at ourselves. Perhaps we don't like ourselves or we're too full of ourselves. Perhaps we're trying to make ourselves feel special by majoring on trivialities. I love Peter Marshall's prayer. Oh God, when I'm wrong, make me easy to change. And when I'm right, make me easy to live with. Some of us find it impossible to live in harmony with one another. And it is unless we renew our mind with the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. It would be helpful if we remember our significance isn't found in our acceptance or our approval by other people or our success by human standards or by winning arguments or getting things done our way. It's found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. When we understand who we are in him, we've got nothing to prove and it frees us to live in harmony with those around us. In that way, we can show love even to those who try and harm us. And as we live in harmony with one another, we'll do that and find we won't have a proud spirit. So let's look at the second bit of Romans 12 verse 16. Do not be proud, but willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Or do not set your mind on proud things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Now Paul turns his attention to pride and snobbery. These are traits particularly that are destructive to unity and harmony within a church context. Paul asks us not to put ourselves above anybody, but to be able to associate with everyone, even those deemed as outcasts in society who won't help us climb the greasy pole of our ambition or further our careers. He asks us not to show a trace of patronization or condescension to anybody. But we all do it a little bit, don't we? We all have that tendency to look down on people. 
When I was a kid, on Friday, certain things used to happen in our house. We'd get a bag of fish and chips, a bag of sweets from our dad. And on Friday, rain, shine, snow, monsoon, and on the odd sunny day, the insurance man and the football pools man would come and collect their bits of money, especially on cold, miserable nights. And I remember thinking as a 10-year-old, that is the last set of jobs I'd ever want to do. Well, guess what? By my 20s in London, it was the only way I could contribute to the family coffers. I became a football pools man. I would knock on the doors and the kids would rush to the doors and look at me and think, that's the last job I'd ever want to do. I remember having a conversation with a man called Ted and he said, my son's going up to one of the football academies up north. And I said, which one's that? He said, Man United. I said, I hope little David will do okay, Mr. Beckham. The rest is history. You see, we have a tendency to look down on people because they're different, poor, from a different racial background, different economic background, doesn't know as much as we do. And we have an idea of looking down on them, even though God has made us exactly the same as one another. Paul tells us not to be wise in our own opinion, because that's foolishness from God's perspective. When God came to save people, he made sure that his son died for the sins of the whole world, for everybody, even the person we think is the most ignorant person on the face of the earth. Even for the person we think is the most vilest or ruthless, ruthless criminal. He loves them all. He died for them and he knows he can change them if they only let him into their hearts. Just as we let him into ours. Now it's interesting to know that right after teaching that truth in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul immediately goes on to say that there should be no schism or no division in the body. But that each member should have this same care for one another. You see, if we recognize the importance of one another, we can live in unity and harmony with one another. The only thing that gets in the way is pride, Proverbs 13 verse 10 tells us. Now, some of us have difficult situations, failing marriages, crumbling friendships, hard feelings towards those who have hurt us, conflicts at work and conflicts with our neighbors. You know, the situation would improve if we became the loving person God wants us to really be. But it seems impossible. Open your heart to God's instruction. Give Jesus real control of your life. Submit your will to him. Let his Holy Spirit take control. And then we'll find we'll live in more harmony with God and with one another. We'll be able to laugh and cry when other people are laughing and crying. If God's talking you to, to you today, drink that in and obey what he says. And he'll bring healing and con reconciliation where there is hurt and alienation. What seems impossible will be made possible by God. And you can become the person God wants you to be. We can become the people God wants us to be. I invite you to make a decision right now if you want to. You might be wondering, how can I know that for myself? Well, if you've never committed your life to Jesus before and you want to, pray this after me. Lord, I commit my life to you. 
I put my life in your hands. Give me your life everlasting and help me to begin this journey with you in your strength. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer this morning, tell one of your friends in church and I'm sure they will pray with you also. But if you're a fellow believer who's beginning to sense that God's love's not flowing for you the way it should be, you're not really growing in your faith, people can't really see the difference in your life that God is making. Perhaps you just don't have the ability to laugh with other people and cry with them. I want to ask you, would you let God back in and let him take control? Lord, for us who are failing and so weak and feeble, that's all of us. We want to drink you in deeply so that your will becomes our will and that we will move in the power of the Holy Spirit and it will make a massive difference in the way that we treat one another. If you need to do that work in my life today, Lord, come and take control. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.